3: I'm definitely an anxious attachment type person where I will overanalyze everything that is said.
1: Hey, you guys I- are listening to this because <laughs> I'm, if you guys could see my eyes right now.
3: <laughs> but you know this.
1: I do know this. You
3: know this. I'm like, uh, what did you mean <laughs> when you said this? Or like, do you still love me? Oh, you know, man. it's like you haven't fucking told me in like six hours go by. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like that type of shit. <laughs> Welcome to the Corazon Chronicles, the podcast that dives into the captivating stories of Latinx and BIPOC people who've triumphed in the realm of love and relationships. On this show, we're unraveling the secrets behind successful relationships and discussing how our unique blend of culture, heritage, and personal experiences shape our love stories.
1: Through engaging interviews and insightful conversations, the Corazon Chronicles celebrates the diversity and resilience of love. We're diving into topics like communication, trust, sex, intimacy, and personal growth to help you navigate your own romantic journeys.
3: Whether you're single, in a relationship, or just a hopeless romantic, this podcast will inspire you with real-life stories of people who are forging their own paths in the realm of love. Join us on this heartfelt exploration as we uncover the keys to thriving in partnership.
1: Catch new episodes of the Corazon Chronicles each and every Wednesday and embark on a transformative journey that celebrates the triumphs, challenges, and enduring power of love.
3: Welcome to the Corazon Chronicles. I'm Janice.
1: And I'm Ray, and together we're super excited to kick off our first episode of the podcast.
3: Hell yeah, this is going to be so good. What are we diving into for this first episode?
1: Well, first off, we're exploring the powerful lessons we've learned about love and relationships from our parents. This is going to be crazy. <laughs>
3: oh, man. Our parents play such a significant role in shaping our understanding of love and life. And sometimes we may not even realize the extent of their influence. I can't wait to see where this conversation leads. So let's dive in. Let's do it. To start, let's reflect on our childhood experiences and how our parents' relationships shaped our early understanding of love and relationships. For many of us, our parents are the first example of a romantic partnership that we've witnessed and their interactions, their communication styles, and the overall dynamics they have set the stage for our own beliefs in love. What do you remember about your parents growing up?
1: Well, I think first it's, uh, it's important to note that we both have completely different backgrounds as far as what love looks like and the examples that we were raised with. Um, you know, for instance, your parents have been married for a very long time and are still currently together. And my parents split when I was, you know, like a newborn baby. So, um, yeah, the dynamics are going to be very interesting. I can't wait to hear like your whole story as well too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, when I think about my parents, um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is they were like, there was never a question that they were committed to each other. Um, my parents met in high school high school sweethearts been together for like at least 40 something years at this point. And it's so crazy. Yeah, it really is. I just can't even wrap my head around like what it's like to pick a person when you're that young and just like commit to forever. Um, But that's actually very common in like my family. I don't, I can't think of anybody actually that's divorced, like aunts and uncles.
1: Well, it seems like they're pretty happy and the love connection is still going really strong. I mean, they just went on a little trip together and, you know, they uh, they still do things together and stuff. It's not like they're those that married couple that, like, sleeps in separate bedrooms or, you know, <laughs> they have complete opposite, you know, friend groups and stuff. It seems like they still like to go out to dinner and, you know, get a little romantic every once in a while. Yeah,
3: my parents go on date night, like, every week and they're... They're each other's company, right? Like, they're the ones that are always hanging out. Um, it's a default. It's a default expectation, right, that they're, like, going to do things together.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So um, my parents are similar to yours as well, that they met at a young age. I think they met when they were, like, 12, maybe 14, um, and then, you know, went through middle school and high school together. And uh, right after they graduated high school, they got married because they went to, a you know, like a, a private Christian school. So that was kind of their path i guess you could say um and then obviously i I popped into the picture and um you know my mom actually wasn't really ready to be a mother at at 19 years old so whatever decisions were made she ended up you know going off and doing her own thing and my dad was a single single father at the age of 19 you know it's just me and him in a studio apartment so um that whole dynamic to see the divorce and stuff never really had an effect on me because I was so young. I always grew up knowing my parents as two separate people and not as like one unit. Mm-hmm.
3: You know? Yeah. So what are some of your earliest memories of your parents interacting? Right. Because if they're not together, like I guess in the context of you would be like when you guys are kind of switching out.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely the, the definitely the handovers, right? You know, it's if it's my dad's weekend or my mom's weekend, whatever. And then um other than that, it was mainly birthdays and like graduations, you know, other than that um my mom's always been very open and and stuff like that as far as willing to talk to my my father and stuff, but he's always been turned off, like very cold to the whole situation. So, um you know, I don't have the full scoop on what happened or why it's like that, but i've never really seen my parents have a face-to-face conversation wow Um, yeah i don't even think i mean there's a few times when i was a kid that they might have exchanged words but never like my high school graduation or anything like that did i ever see them like hell yeah we did that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i've never seen them you know be cordial like that
3: yeah that's interesting um yeah, when I look at, like, home videos and stuff, because my dad was, like, the family archivist. So Damn, I mean, my, wish my dad did that. Oh, my God. My Shit. whole childhood is, like, fucking documented on VHS tapes. It's, like, hilarious, but... <laughs> oh, God, I have to see this. Yeah, no, you really do. <laughs> I really this. need to see <laughs> But when I look at their relationship, because obviously, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head, like, what the dynamic was when I was, like, three or four, but my dad was always, like, the... Kind of take things in stride and, like, the easygoing person in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And then my mom was always just the one that was, like, stressed out. Like, you could see it in her face. I could tell that, like, early marriage and early parenthood was, like, a lot. It was taking its toll on her. And I think a lot of that had to do with... You know the fact that she wasn't proficient in English, so she was kind of isolated in that sense. You think
1: she regrets, like, regrets making those decisions like so young? I mean, regardless if yeah. she was in love, you think if she like hindsight, she would go back and push it off for like she five years? She always or told
3: my sister and I like. Wait to get married, wait to have kids, go live your life. Because she was married by 21 and had t- her first kid, me, at 24. So, well, and that's I think it's not that, too bad, it's not, but I also think about yeah. myself at 24. I'm like, how the fuck? Like, same, yeah, same. no way, I, there's I'm, no way. I'm so glad that, that that
1: was not my path. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> still just like, figuring it out for
3: real. Um, hello, but yeah, I mm-hmm. just it, it, you could tell there was a lot of tension.
1: Um, Like between your parents? Yeah,
3: especially in those early days when you're just, you know, the money's the tight and,
1: and yeah. you
3: know, the jobs are not secure and you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, how am I going to take care of these kids? Ah,
1: yeah. I mean, he was a military man, though, too. So, yeah. a shout out to uh, Janice's father for serving our country and all you other guys out there that are veterans. Thank you guys so much for your service. 100%. Yeah.
3: Absolutely, I think a lot of his resourcefulness definitely comes from that, and just you know, my parents both grew up in Puerto Rico, so um, definitely not privileged in any type of way. Grew up
1: in the struggle, yeah, yeah. What you know, the American struggle is just a little bit better. Yeah, it's more expensive. (laughs) Yeah, it's the more expensive struggle, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um,
3: So yeah, I think that's what I think of. Is just like it looked like it was very stressful those those early days, and then I remember. Things kind of shifting dramatically once my dad got like a more stable job and my mom was able to like go back to school and Mm. learn some skills to get like a better paying job too. And they were able to buy a house and like I saw their relationship become less stressful because of the impact of finances, which I think is something that a lot of us can, you know, think back to how money interacts with relationships.
1: Would they ever go out of their way to like schedule like a structured like parent date like for instance my, my dad and my stepmother and we'll get into that but they always had like I mean at least maybe once a month there was like a, there was, like, a night that they were going to go out to dinner and mm. like spend time with themselves or maybe they would go on like a weekend camping trip or something it happened when my sister got a little older but you know it was like I always saw that type of and I didn't know if your parents maintain that because it seems like they have that now and if they yep. were like so distant early on it's amazing that they're still together and it's like seems like they're
3: stronger now than they were then yeah, they actually didn't have any support when it comes to babysitting, like family-wise that they could rely on for like child care or anything like mm-hmm. that. So the only time that they actually used a babysitter was for them to go to work. So oh. it was never like the babysitter came over for them to go on date night. Dang. Uh, we were always like the type of families that like, everybody's going out right like if they're going out we're going out or it was a group thing and there was also like when i was a kid it was a lot of family gatherings Mm. like that was kind of like the socialization (laughs) for the adults too right because then the kids would all go off to the basement or whatever
1: and then then everybody's drinking and you know
3: hanging out and stuff so that was the extent of the social life early on but as we got older um they started doing more stuff especially like when we were able to stay at home by ourselves
1: right yeah. So, um, a little bit with my backstory, um, as far as my dad, cause I was, I was raised with him. Um, he was single with me until I was like three, three and a half. And that's when he met my stepmother. Um, and, and they've been together ever since. So it was, it's, I kind of grew up with both sides of like seeing, you know, being a divorced child and then also seeing my dad, you know, form a new relationship with, I mean, all, all opinions aside and everything like that, she's held my dad down. She's been, you know, his best friend and his rock and confidant and, you know, business partner and the list goes on and on. So she'll always, you know, have my respect for that. Um, and they would always, my dad would always make, make it a point to kind of like cultivate the relationship, you know, always made it a point to go out of his way to do things and, Um, set time aside and and make sure everybody was kind of you know heard and stuff like that and I'm sure that his first relationship with my mom probably did a lot to like let him become like that type of man where he was like the next woman I that I you know that I get with and you know she's this angel then I need to make sure that I'm doing everything in my power to keep her Mm. you know happy and Pleased and wanted Mm -hmm. and everybody wants to be wanted. And I see like a lot of relationships start to crumble when, you know, maybe the sex goes out the window, right? Maybe there's something going on and now you guys don't want to have sex anymore. And that's a huge, huge aspect of a healthy, tight knit relationship, right? Yeah,
3: just that connection point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I I see, if we go out to dinner, you know, I can see parents and stuff. And I'm like, man, I bet you they haven't had sex. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least in a month, you know? These
3: poor young parents. We feel for you, y'all. Oh,
1: I, I really do.
3: <laughs> That's, uh yeah. I wonder if, you know, you seeing your <clears throat> dad, like, navigating single fatherhood and then finding this new relationship. How do you think that impacted you, like, in your own relationships? Do you feel like you're the type of person that just like I'll just do whatever to keep her happy and to keep her around.
1: Hmm. No, I don't think so because um <clears throat> the way that that the way that he raised us, um we would have like family meetings and stuff, right? So, and everybody had a certain role to play and um there wasn't really anybody that was like the glue, right? There wasn't anybody that was like doing things to keep somebody else happy. He didn't really raise me that way. He always taught me that it was a two-way street. Everything's pretty much 50-50, especially when it comes to emotion and you know, communication. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 th- I think a lot that he, that he showed me that I got to see with their relationship are things that I saw that I wanted, you know, um, being able to like kind of separate it from her, but just the, rela- the relationship in general, the, the bond and connection that they had. And then, um, you know, they were always flirtatious and, not, like, too much PDA, but, like, you know, you could just tell, you know, that they were... They liked always, each other. Yeah, laughing and <laughs> listening yeah. to music and, like, you know, all that stuff. Like, cleaning the house together, all that type of stuff. So, there were a lot of things that I saw that I wanted, Um but there was also, you know, certain things... um That I guess it was probably more on my mom's side because she had boyfriends and stuff. There was a lot of like, there was a lot of things that I saw in men that I didn't want to be. Because I had my dad as like this role model that I knew what I wanted to be. And then, thank God my mom was like a single bartender. I got to see some guys that were like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you could just tell. I don't know what's happening behind closed doors, but this guy just... I don't like his vibe. Yeah. I do not fuck with this guy. Huh. You know what I mean? I don't know what he's, What he, he might be talking crazy to my mom. No. Yeah.
3: So speaking of communication, what are some things that you learned about communication that you picked up from your parents? I know for <clears> me, <throat> like, communication was fucking terrible. And it was just like, you know, people yelling or yeah. not talking at all. It was not like anything was actually hashed out. Shit was swept under the rug or that's it.
1: I think that, um, I think people also have to understand that you're like a purebred Latina. Yeah. And you were raised by a Latina that is Everybody who's Latina is listening, this is
3: just like, yeah, we all do the same she's shit. She's
1: like, it's <laughs> like, I don't know what the Spanish version of a tiger mom would be, but that's probably what you experienced. Because my mom went through it, I'm sure like 90% of the other Latinas listening right now have been through the tiger mom thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the standard is just so high. It's insane. Yeah. Um, There's never any satisfaction or anything. Um, There's no pleasing mom. No, and like, you know, (laughs) there's not
3: crying. Like, we don't talk about our feelings. Like, none of that shit is a thing. So I just never got really good at communicating my emotions, which is not useful in relationship.
1: Do you you think that communicating your emotions in general or maybe just like with women, because I feel like if you and your, your father were opposite and he was the easygoing guy that you could probably approach to with your problems and issues and looking for advice, I would assume that it's probably easier for you to have a conversation with the man, or at least have some type of openness.
3: No, it's just everybody. My, I was raised by two Scorpios, so it was just rage like you know anger is was the only emotion that was like constant like my dad i i would definitely like tell him the more controversial stuff before telling my mom because he would not be one to fly off the handle right away but
1: blow up yeah yeah but
3: (laughs) you know he'd also blow up my spot and tell the shit that i told him to my mom so i was just like i can't fucking talk to either one of (laughs) y'all
1: so the communication um with my parents on both sides has been really good um i've always been encouraged to be open with my emotions and like not really fear what i am feeling um to a certain extent you know i had some issues with my stepmom and stuff like that but those are i guess those are just certain issues that you just kind of have to deal with you know um but at the end of the day with my mom i can i can talk to her about anything uh, relationship advice stuff like that she's been through a lot um and same thing with my with my dad as well um my dad is a little more biased on stuff like that just because he's been in a relationship for so long so it's kind of hard to, for him to kind of like get back into what it's like to be, you know, like a young single-ish guy, you know, that's like kind of figuring his way. So, but the communication has always been so good with, with both of them. They always taught me to like stand up for myself and be cautious of other people's feelings and, you know, kind of like what you're doing is always going to affect whoever you're around, you know. So just like kind of be cognizant of that. You know, everybody matters.
3: And so for context, you were raised by a white father but your mother's Latina. Right. So you got to see kind of two dynamics of what communication looks like. Like, how did your Puerto Rican side of the family communicate versus like your white side? Do you Um, see a difference?
1: um, Yeah, I see a difference mainly because with with my my grandparents, my abuela, my abuelo, they both are old school Puerto Ricans from the island, you know, up in a small town of bonito. So they were, you know. I think my abuelo is one of like eight kids and stuff like that. So, and he's, Oh, and he's more of a military guy too. So he doesn't really tune into the, the emotions thing too much. But, uh, my grandmother, she was always, she was always really supportive of that. You know, she was always real big into God and stuff like that too. So, um, she's always encouraged, you know, the communication and whatnot and kind of like how to be as a man, because, you know, she ended up getting cheated on by my grandfather. And he left for another woman and stuff like that. So, and she never got with anybody else. She just kind of turned her love off. And then basically just kind of dove, like replaced her love for, for this man with God. You know, She became
3: like a widow, even though her husband didn't pass away. He just left.
1: Yeah. And she kept his last name. Like still to wow. this day. She, she's still a Rivera to this day. Why? Wow. Yeah. Ask my, ask my abuelo how he feels about that. Yeah.
3: Uh, why? <laughs> like why? Do you know?
1: I don't know. I think it's probably just rooted out of that like
3: made a commitment type shit uh, yeah
1: there's got to be something wow. there where it's like you know sometimes x is like i paid my women. dues yeah scorned <laughs> women can can hold on to some some stuff that's for sure
3: <laughs> including especially your last a, name Apparently, especially latina too you know Shut up. <laughs> all right let's go yeah <laughs> do you have you ever noticed like maybe unconscious beliefs or or, um.
1: Oh, one more thing, sorry to cut you off. But also one thing, I'm the only boy on the Puerto Rican side. Mm. So I'm the only son, the only child for my mom, but then I'm the only boy as well, too. So I was very catered to.
3: And you, so you were surrounded by women. So that that probably Mm. has something to do with your ability to communicate.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love to, uh, like, if I could choose, if I could have, like, a group of guy friends to hang out with or, like, a group of, like, co-, you know, co-ed like a group it, i love that it's it's a lot better to you know because it is cool to talk to the opposite sex and, and kind of like hang out with them and, and get their energy on certain things you mm-hmm. know not not everybody doesn't always have to be worried about fucking you know? <laughs> that's like the biggest thing is like oh you can't be friends with the opposite sex it's like well you my friend need some therapy because <laughs> you are clearly thinking about fucking everybody you're around and you think everybody else is thinking the same way so yeah. it's like crazy but go ahead. Sorry, i yeah, cut you
0: off. No,
3: no, it's fine. Um, It's funny because I think, you know, being raised Latina, I never saw my parents having friends of the opposite sex. And so I mm. always interpreted that, like, that's something disrespectful. Sure. And if you're in a relationship, like, no, you're not hanging out with other dudes. So I've never really had, like, male friends that were just, like, platonic. Mm-hmm. I Because I just never entertained it. And I never saw it growing up.
1: think it's easier in a group you know it's definitely a little more i've never been like super one-on-one with uh like the opposite sex it's always been like in a group setting Mm -hmm. you know like you know my homie has a you know girlfriend and she's cool and her sister's cool something like that that's usually how something like that would go but Mm. it's not like you're texting and
3: yeah
1: hey let's meet up for lunch just you and i like that's i don't know (laughs) there might be some other shit going on (laughs) (laughs) yeah unless one of them's gay then yeah yeah it is what it is
3: so, I'm curious if you've ever noticed any unconscious beliefs or patterns in your relationships that you now know originate from your parents. Like, for me, mm. I can definitely go back to the inability to communicate my emotions just like holding shit in because that's what I used to do with my parents. So, it's like, that's kind of how More I started. More specifically,
1: in- your mother. Because mm. she was like really tough on you, so.
3: Yeah, but I just never really felt like I had an outlet in the home mm. to like express mm-hmm. emotions. So, it would be like with friends that I would mm. talk about stuff, but Um, I definitely feel like I've had to work on that, on the ability to just express my emotions in a healthy way that doesn't involve, like, anger or just, like, you know, toxic behaviors. Um, And I think also probably... um, let me think <laughs> yeah i think honestly yeah communication has been the biggest thing for me because i just don't feel like i had a great example of what that looks like in relationship mm-hmm. how about you
1: um well i've been through therapy you know this right so I've, I've done my fair share of some therapy and one of the things that was subconscious to me that i didn't realize was that i have like major trust issues mm-hmm. and that's mainly rooted in the fact that essentially my mother abandoned me right there's that it's just abandonment is really what it is it's not anything i hold on to or have ever had animosity against my mother about because i I just don't know the situation and i i mean i can't really put myself in the situation either so um but anyways i i've just noticed that my trust is really hard to hard to attain and like not really hard to maintain but it's not like i'm one of these guys it's like i need to like I'm not like worried you're going to cheat all the time and stuff. It's more of like trust in the commitment, you know, like I've never really sat around and daydreamed about what my wedding would look like or anything like that. You know, you and I have had some conversations about that and it's like, you know, some people are just born with that. And and maybe they look forward to that, you know, based on how they saw their parents or maybe their friend's parents. I had a couple of friends growing up and their parents seemed to like have wonderful marriages, you know, they were, you know, it was just awesome and then you know come to find out you know here we are 15 20 years later and everybody split up and mm-hmm. remarried and it's like shit you know so my whole thing is just trust in the commitment of the relationship has been something that i had to work on mm-hmm. cuz at the end of the day it's going to keep me from committing you know
3: yeah yeah it's um have you ever heard of attachment styles no okay so basically it's like a it's a psychological theory that explains how we form relationships and there's mm, three to four depending on who you talk to but essentially there's anxious attachment there's avoidant attachment there's fearful attachment and then there's secure so we all want to be securely attached we're just like you know you're capable of having a healthy relationship uh you maintain your own identity but you're also able to like you know form partnerships you're not like The world doesn't revolve around this person, but like you're committed. Right. Right. Then anxious attachment is somebody that is like always paranoid that the person's going to leave, tend to overanalyze, Mm -hmm. you know, not trusting, um, forms a very like codependent type of relationship. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's avoidant is like distant, like they're afraid to let their heart be broken. Mm -hmm. So they like maintain distance. Right. Um, When shit gets too real, they Mm -hmm. start to pull away, hard time expressing their emotions, and then the fearful can kind of cycle between the avoidant and the anxious, kind of depending on who they're dealing with. Gotcha. And the whole theory behind these is that that style of attachment is based on your caretakers. So like if you had parents who were very emotionally unavailable, you're probably going to be like an anxious kid who's going to be like, somebody fucking love me.
1: Yeah, words of affirmation, all that stuff.
3: Yeah, so you're like going to find connection with people who are emotionally avoidant or emotionally unavailable like your parents because Mm. that's what feels familiar right versus like somebody who gets attached to people who are maybe abusive because their parents were abusive and Mm. it just feels you know normal so there's just different ways that we can attach and, and relate to people that are based on like how you were raised and I know for a fact that like I'm definitely an anxious attachment type person where I will overanalyze everything that is said.
1: Hey, you guys are listening to this because um, (laughs) if you guys could see my eyes right now.
3: (laughs) But you know this. I do know this. You know this. I'm like, uh, what did you mean (laughs) when you said this? Or like, do you still love me? You know, it's like, if you haven't fucking told me in like six hours go by, you know, it's like that type of shit. (laughs) Yes. But, um,.
1: This is too good to be true.
3: <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously, I've had all those thoughts. Oh my gosh. Um, would you say that you're <clears throat> more avoidant, or are you more anxious? Or
1: I think it's the one that was was kind of riding both of them. Yeah. Right. I so think, fearful. Yeah. So I think that's. I mean, yeah. That kind of sums it up with what I was just saying about like the commitment thing. Yeah. I think that. Um, you know, and it's weird because like when I think about commitment or anything, it doesn't seem like a daunting task, or it doesn't seem it doesn't like give me anxiety. I don't really get butterflies when I think about it it's just just almost like it's something that I like just kind of toned out right like I just don't really put any thought into it not in a bad way but you know what I mean like I guess just throughout life now that I'm a little older and stuff like that I think it's something that I'm paying more attention to you know like you know things start to slow down and your thought process changes about a lot of things and you know just part of maturing too so
3: so is there anything that you saw growing up that you're like, hell
0: no, we're not repeating that? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner
2: party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times.
1: Yeah. the I've always had a number one rule that I would never be with a woman that has kids. And that might be very triggering for some single women out there that are mothers and it has nothing to do with anything like that. It's just for me being a stepchild and then being treated the way that I was as a stepchild, it's just not anything I wanted to be around. I didn't really want to relive those things vicariously through... Something like that, you know, and I, and plus, there's all kinds of potential for drama, right? The baby daddy could be crazy, you know, that's my wife, you know, whatever. Like, I don't want you around my kids, or there could be false accusations, like, there it could be crazy. I've just lot. always stayed away from women with kids, is the best way to say it. I mean, I think, so, I, I think that's fair. I felt the same happened.
3: way about guys with kids. I was just like, I don't want any of that drama. I don't want to be stepmom. I don't want to. I don't want to be somebody else's mom.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy because like I love kids, you know, and like if if it
3: wasn't (laughs) makes
1: one of us, (laughs) I mean, well, I like hanging out with kids that are like, I don't know, between like maybe five and like 12. Right, yeah. I like the Lego stage, the Hot Wheels stage, the video game stage. Like, yeah, when well, they that's can actually
3: cool. interact with you. Yeah,
1: let's like go do some fun stuff. You know, let's go hit Disney World. That'd be cool. But other than that, it's like, man, I, you know, for me, it just seemed like there was way too much risk for such little reward. Um, well, you
3: know, and it's a serious thing to like step in and become a you know an influence on somebody else's child, and you know, navigating not only the relationship that you have with the person that has a child, but also the person who created the child with them. I, there's a lot of dynamics that can be really fucking hard to navigate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would uh, I would come down to Florida um, to see my mom, you know, three or four times a year. And I would come down for, you know, six, seven weeks out of the summer. And there were two boyfriends that she had um, that were awesome, awesome. You know, I was like always excited to come down and see him and stuff. And then, you know, that random time you come down and you're like, where's Joe at, right? And mm. she's like, oh, well, we... I didn't tell you over the phone, but we're not, we're not together anymore. And then you go and, like, my mom's got this new apartment. And you're just like, oh, shit, you know. And then finally, a couple of years later, the next guy comes. You're like, this guy's cool, too, you know. And then you're just like, okay, well. So, yeah, I think that would be my answer for that. Yeah. <laughs> Raise rants. <your> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I think um... – Something I definitely actively have tried to avoid is the anger. Um, cause I just don't feel like that shit's productive at all. You know,
1: you mean like anger, like hostility, like trying to have an argument. And yeah. Stuff? Like
3: yelling and just like confrontation. I'm very anti confrontation. And I think it's just cause I saw so much of it growing up. Like it makes me hell uncomfortable. Like even yeah. when people even raise their voice, I'm mm. like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like if that fight or flight shit starts for me, my heart starts racing. I'm like having a physical reaction to like that vibe. I just can't do it. Um, but also, that was the only way I knew how to communicate in the beginning. So I definitely had, like, relationships that were volatile because of that. Because yeah. it's just like, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, going to therapy and starting to do personal development and all that shit that I'm like, mm, okay, there You uh, can actually, like, talk things through without, like, conflict.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of that um, has to do with, like, our previous relationships as well, too, right? And I remember when we first were, were talking and... <clears throat> I think you were asking me about like, you know, how do you get mad? Like, you know, do you get mad? you like, raise your voice. Do you like to throw shit, you know, pull your hair out? Like, what do you like to do? (laughs) You know? And I'm like, well, I, my number one thing is that I don't argue. Right. I was like, I just don't, I won't even partake in it. You know, it's just not any, it's not a, it's never, it never leads to anything good. And, um, you know, with my past relationship, that was like the most toxic aspect of it. And it, you know makes you into someone who you're not you know and and feeding into this dark this dark energy matter and and having someone that pulls you into those depths is just crazy you know and you end up becoming this thing that you like you're you're cringed out by yourself you're like oh my gosh I can't believe like I'm saying these things and like you know feeling and then you feel like the guilt and the remorse for how you acted and and it's on both sides too and then you guys like kiss and make up and then it's like
3: It's a cycle.
1: Yeah. And then it's almost like it almost sets the bar for how far the next one's going to go, right? Mm, Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. You're always like like, outdoing each other. Yeah.
1: It's like, well, I already said fuck you. It's like, well, the next thing I'm going to say is like, you're a bitch, right? It's like, I'm going to get crazier after that. And it's like, once we run out of words, we start picking things up and being ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That shit's wild. Um, My dad used to tell us about like the um, domestic abuse that my grandmother his mother was subjected to from my grandfather and he was always just like
1: that was a different time too and that was was so fucking normal what it was everybody got their ass beat like my all
3: my grandmothers got their ass beat i heard all the stories it was just like it came with the territory and my dad was basically like you know i had two choices i was either going to replicate that shit or it was going to be completely opposite and my father has never raised a hand at my mother never ever seen him like any type of aggression towards her in that Mm -hmm. way and i just like you know, this idea that like, you just have to continue to perpetuate the shit that you see. I don't think it's true. And I think a lot of people tend to use that as excuses to avoid like doing their, their work, and yeah, healing yeah. their shit.
1: Yeah. And then it's like, it's almost like them refusing to be self-aware.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's
1: toxic for everybody involved.
3: Very toxic. So I'm curious, <clears throat> how do you, or have you noticed any generational differences Between how, you know, your grandparents, parents, like just the older generations in your family interact with relationships versus like your generation or even you personally.
1: Yeah, I think the number one thing that stands out for me on that um, just off the cuff is just how much the older generations value and respect a relationship. Um, You know, that is like, you know, rooted in tradition and loyalty and they you know, cheating is a huge, big deal. You know, you're going to get, like, publicly shamed um, back in the day. They were
3: also doing that shit. I get it. (laughs) Right.
1: They were having whole-ass families on the side. I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) But, like, I saw that, and then I, I got to see that with my dad. My dad's been super faithful and like kind of hangs his hat on all that and so i got to see that from him as well he's like you know doesn't even look at any other women you know i mean yeah we would like crack jokes or something if we're at like a baseball game or something like oh you know look at the side of tits on that one (laughs) you know it wasn't more like oh i wonder what life would be like with that girl she's so pretty yeah so and then now our generation you know the newer generation obviously a lot of us grew up in households like i grew up in so where it's like you either it's it's a one way it's it's one of two ways you either value a relationship and, and want to have like something that's set apart um that's like strong and a, and, a, and a healthy bond with like someone you can actually call your best friend and then the other one is that like people aren't shit you mm. know you're like fuck it people aren't shit women ain't shit men ain't shit and and i get that but at the same time when you're manifesting that type of energy those are the people you're going to keep attracting around you you know the, the people that are on a mission to build a a life with someone and, and, you know, kind of cultivate like a family unit and build memories and, and stuff like that and wealth and everything. Um, they're going to stay away from people like that because uh-huh. you're not you're not doing anything, you know, as far as bringing anything to the table. And, and the worst part is the people that don't want to change. You know, they think that the other side is weird for or they think that they're weak because they want to be with one person. And they're like, oh, my God, you're missing out on so much life experiences. You could be out here getting all this dick and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, yeah, that's fun. Trust me. Like, go out there, have your fun. Everybody deserves to do it. It's a rite of passage. But at some point, you are going to crave that real connection with someone you can really call your best friend, someone that has your back at all times, you know?
3: I agree. And I think especially as you get older and you start seeing other people settle down and you're like the lone person that's still out here trying to live your like best 21 year old life. I mean, that shit gets lonely, right?
1: I would assume it does. I mean, I've had my moments and stuff too, but uh, I've always been a relationship guy. So I, you know, I've always, I've never been single for more than, you know, maybe six months in a like a, in a stretch. Jesus Christ. Know? Yeah.
3: Well, you know what? I'm not even gonna judge judge because that's honestly been my fucking story too. I think
1: we got out around the same time. and yeah. then we met each other. We and literally and we, we had
3: it was like within days of each other ooh, and we broke up with other Which you guys get the whole story. It's oh, fantastic. God, please. It's yeah, fantastic. you gotta wait till episode three for that story. Shouts out to Google. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna play devil's advocate with what you just said though about uh, the older generation like valuing relationships. Hit me, because hit me, hit me. Like we just said, a lot of these men were out here having whole last-second families. Cheating was very normalized. You know, abuse was rampant. Like there was just a lot of toxic behaviors. But I feel like in one aspect, women had a lot less ability to like leave. Yeah, just even financially. Uh-huh. You know, when we think about our abuelas, like they were completely financially dependent on the men. On the men. Yeah. So it's just like, what are you gonna do?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And now it's completely different. Now
3: it's completely different where like women have the option to be like, Nah, I'm not dealing with this shit. You know, the financial autonomy has been something that I think has changed our dynamics as men and women for the better in some ways, but also for the worse in some ways, because now like you're talking about this whole, I don't need a man, uh, you know, men ain't shit. That whole aspect comes from partially because women honestly don't need men. Right. So it's like if you're choosing to be in a partnership at this point it can't just be for financial security or usually doesn't have to be. It has to be for like more in-depth emotional reasons. Mm. Right. And so I think that's part of kind of where the, the change that we're seeing is stems from too.
1: Yeah. That's uh, we're going to have to get into that topic in one of the episodes, but you know, it's men are men have definitely men are in a weird, weird spot right now with, with, how they can carry themselves and, and, and interpret their their own feelings with certain things. You know, there are some men that are alpha males and that are very masculine, but that can also be triggered by, you know, a woman having more money than him or, you know, a nicer car or lucrative career. Whatever the case is, you know, um, some of these men are, are kind of triggered by that. And... and...
3: Well, it's because y'all have been told like your entire... You know, the patriarchy tells y'all that your whole purpose is to provide. So when you don't need to provide, you know, and it's like, I don't need your money. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, what the fuck is my purpose?
1: Yeah. Those are the men that need to realize that there's more to offer than money and good sex. You know, there's and it's crazy because. A lot of like, look at single people. A lot of single people often get dogs, right? They get dogs or a cat or, they, yeah, or pets they, in be, general. And, yeah. and the the reason of that is because they want to come home to somebody, mm. you know, and, and a dog or a cat is every time you get home, they're going to greet you at the door. Everything's great. Clean slate, you know, just love the fact that you're around and everything. Um, and then, you know, some of these people that need to work on themselves a little bit, are just like kind of turned off to the idea and i'm sure that there's a good reason for it but it sucks for them because they're missing out everybody deserves to feel what it's like to fall in love everybody deserves to feel what it's like to have someone care about you and, and just to like go about your day in the world knowing that you have someone who's like <clears throat> excuse me actually caring about you and thinking about you and, and just you know keeping you in their prayers is, is, is such a special feeling
3: I think also like there's a, a bit of like trauma porn that's going on around now, like on social media in general, like just this glorification of fucking trauma where like everything is trauma and like, that is true. you know, it's just like everybody's trying to diagnose everybody. Everybody's a narcissist now. Mm. And it's like, y'all like go, go get a fucking psychology trauma degree before dumping. you start. Yeah. And it's just like, for me, yeah, there it's important to know like the aspects of a healthy versus like a non-healthy relationship. But at the same time, like some of the shit that we're calling trauma is not trauma. Like for instance, if you know you get fucking you with somebody who like lies, that's not traumatic. That's not trauma. You're just with a person who's dishonest. And well, like,
1: I think we have to give it context too, because everything is relative. So yeah. it, it, being with a liar can be very, very traumatic based on the just based on simple things of what they're lying about. That's true. You know, like they, I got
3: a whole ass family. Yeah, that's that probably would, fucking. Traumatic. I mean, that would
1: fuck me up. Yeah, I'd be like, damn. I mean, I could I could take you lying to me about having fucked up credit or mm. you know something just something you know fucking you know lying about whatever
3: I mean, what you went to school for or yeah something. <laughs> something
1: petty like that that's fine i mean i'm gonna look at you sideways as fuck because you're kind of stupid for lying about that <laughs> that shit in the first place but at the end of the day it's like yeah, if you're gonna I can move past that is what I'm saying. Yeah, can, it's not gonna affect how I feel about you, but man, there are some some things that people could be lying about and then you come to find out and you're just like, You're a piece of shit. Yeah. And I don't want that around me.
3: Yeah. And I think um you know, part of what I've had to learn in navigating the end of different relationships is like I feel like you can if you don't actively work to like f- heal, whatever came from there, you're just going to kind of stack up your traumas to then get to a place where the next person you meet is going to be, the wall's going to be so high. The fence is going to be so fucking high that it's going to be impossible for them to climb because you mm. haven't like, you're just literally projecting all their, sh- everybody else's shit mm. onto this new person. And I, I know I've definitely been guilty of that. And I'm still, if I'm being honest, working on some of those aspects, but I think a lot of people it's easier to just be like, no, People are shit. Everybody's crap. I'm never going to trust anybody again because it makes it easier to like not reflect on like what did I possibly do or accept that put me in the situation.
1: Do you believe in true love?
3: I don't even know what that means.
1: Do you believe in soulmates?
3: I thought I did. Mm. I don't know Mm. because I feel like I've seen people have multiple soulmates. Mm. Okay. Like, for instance, if somebody becomes a widow... Are we just supposed to assume that that person, that they were Maybe married?
1: that wasn't the soulmate.
3: But maybe it was. But then they find another person. And then they become the new soulmate.
1: I guess you're right. Everything's I mean, relative. So it all depends on who you are at the time. Because your soul changes.
3: Yeah. So. I, I think if I were to believe in a soulmate, it's like somebody who evolves with you.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. I they have to. That. Yeah. I fuck with that.
3: Because we change fundamentally as human beings. And I think the... You know, that whole concept of like meeting your high school sweetheart and then being married for 60 years. I'm like, Oof. yo, do you, can you imagine like the fucking changes that go through, that you go through as a person oh and god, then as a yeah. couple, Oh my god! like yeah. for you to be able to navigate that successfully with one person, that's a lot.
1: I, I tend to find that that little story usually happens in a small town situation. Mm. You know, when like I grew up in a very small town, my graduation class was like 300 people. Right. So it's like, it was very, it was very um, common to have long. I mean, there were people that graduated high school that ended up like being together in middle school. You know, they're like, you like, they were the first kids to be like, be holding hands and shit. And you're like, oh my God, fucking Jennifer and Dylan just got fucking married and <laughs> they have a kid and shit, you know. So it's, it's wild. I, I, the, the, I don't know. I, I commend people that can do that and you know like your parents I mean they've done it so
3: yeah they've absolutely done it and I just and
1: they're not faking it because they have no reason to fake it at this point no. all the kids are grown like there's no real reason to stay together for any type of purpose other than the fact that they love each other
3: yeah maybe the,
1: the history too I feel like sometimes people stay together just because of the history
3: oh for sure yeah, I so mean like, and I some people stay together because of the kids right and then that's why like divorces tend to um, increase when people are like in their you know middle age because it's like okay the kids are not here anymore um, or, do yeah. we even still have a relationship or were we just going through the motions and shit of raising these kids yeah there's so much to unpack y'all so you can just this is like a taste right of like well, some on. of the stuff that we're going to navigate through the show um go ahead
1: i just wanted to ask one last thing
0: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer
2: For full, important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think that with everything that we talked about, right, and kind of sharing our stories and how similar our stories are probably going to be to all of our, you know, the viewers Mm -hmm. and the comments and stuff. And by the way, guys, go in the comments and let us know um, if anything that we said in this podcast kind of resonated with you, if you saw similarities in what we were talking about and maybe your own situation, your own upbringing, um, but what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to separate, you know, their own beliefs about love and relationships from the influence of their parents?
3: Y'all, you need to go to therapy. First of all, like every <laughs> oh single person. you're going to
1: say that so much, by well,
3: the way. For real. <laughs> therapy, um, betterhelp.com um, oh, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, once we get a therapy sponsor, they'll be sure to shout them out on the show. But Hell yeah. honestly, I think everybody needs therapy because we're all, we've all got some baggage we're from our childhood. We're all fucked up. Yeah, we all got some shit to navigate. We all learned maybe some toxic behaviors, some not helpful patterns for showing up in the world. And until you start doing that work, you're just going to be out here like unconsciously doing shit.
1: Yeah, it's like living your life in a a Mm fishbowl. You know, it it, it does suck. It it, it sucks. And then also the the deeper you get into it, which means like the older you get and you're kind of stuck in your ways, you know, you're going to get very callous to it and then you're going to get very frustrated. And then at the end of the day, that's kind of a recipe for depression. And that sucks.
3: Yeah. And I also think... You know, a lot of people when they're having relationship issues, they default to like, let's go to couples counseling. Mm. But I also feel like you need to do your own individual counseling because chances are you also have your own individual shit that you haven't healed that yeah. you're bringing into the relationship yeah. and that you're projecting on your partner and fucking blaming them for.
1: Hmm. I wonder if we've experienced any projecting in our own relationship.
3: Oh, I think we have. <laughs> 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 well, that's for another episode. Hey, there go. let's
1: go. <laughs>
3: what do you think? Like, do you think, Um, what do you think people should be doing in order to... You know, not let maybe what they experience as kids impact how they show up in relationships.
1: I think that my advice would be just to kind of sit back and look at their own situation, um, both at their childhood and whatever relationship they're in now. And it could be a relationship with a friend, right? Yeah. It, it, It could be any relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic. And so I just think that if they could just look at, at how they were brought up and see what kind of triggers like the triggers we were talking about for our own childhood. They should do that exercise for, with themselves and then also do an exercise of what they would like out of the future, out of whatever relationship they have in mind and or have in mind. And I think that that would be a good healthy exercise. Everybody could do it in, in a couple of minutes, you know, you might start off with three minutes and you might sit there for an hour and a half. Who, who knows, you know, but I think it's food for thought. And I think that'd be like some good homework for the folks out there that are searching for some self answers.
3: Yeah. I really love the book attached. So if you want to learn more about attachment theory and that whole attachment style and figure out which one you are, I definitely recommend picking up that book. Um, what else, babe, anything else you want to add? Before you can we also
1: listen, just like you're listening to this podcast while you're at work or you're in the car, you can always listen to the book on audio and the mm-hmm. audio book is super quick. I, I work 12 hour shifts and I can, I can probably put down half a book in, in, I mean, maybe more, you know, so it all depends.
3: Yeah, I love it. I think this is a great first episode. Um, I think it's going to cause a lot of people to start reflecting on maybe the shit that they've been bringing into their relationships from childhood that they didn't even know. Mm. Um, If you really like this episode and you like this podcast, make sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, I would love for you to send us a DM. You can find us on Instagram at Corazon Chronicles podcast. Hey. If you have a question that you want us to answer on the show, we'd love to entertain that. If you have a situation you want us to talk through, uh, we are open for business.
1: Yep. I think we're aiming for every Wednesday and eventually, um, I don't know how many episodes we're going to do before we get to the video, but we will be bringing you guys some video Um, for the podcast so look forward to that it'll be the the huge face reveal (laughs) (laughs) the huge a long-awaited face reveal right babe
3: yeah i can't wait um this is gonna be fun i'm really excited that we're doing this and i hope that you share this episode and share the podcast with somebody that you think would get value out of it thank you so much for listening
1: hey and yes thank you guys so much and i think maybe if couples like kind of sat down and listened to it together it would almost be like a little mini free couples therapy so hell yeah that y'all. <laughs> do that <laughs> i love it
3: thanks for tuning in
1: oh yeah see you guys